0: Welcome to the Million Dollar Multi-Op Podcast. Here, you're going to find education, entertainment, and a little inspiration on how to get to the next level. Are you a DJ company owner that's
1: looking for the secret sauce? Congrats, you found it. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Million Dollar Multi-Op Podcast. I'm your host, David Osborne with BlueprintLearn.com. Now, every episode that you've heard up until today's has been me, either just running my mouth and talking by myself, or I've interviewed a successful DJ company owner. Today, we're going to take a little pivot. We're going to we take a little pit stop and we're going to do something that is going to be immediate value and immediate excitement. And honestly, my guest is just an awesome person. So I'm excited for you to get to know her a little bit on this podcast. But we've got what the one and only Leah Weinberg on the, on the podcast today. Welcome.
0: Hi, thanks so much for having me. <laughs> That's right. Round of applause.
1: We do have a studio audience. We do. It's pretty fantastic. Now, I know Leah in so many different ways. Let me just kind of go through this because the, the connection points are deep. So I first met Leah, oh, what was it? 11 years ago, 12 years ago. You got married in what, 2012? 2012, yeah. Okay, 2012, Fernbank in Atlanta, which is a really cool museum that has a big old dinosaur in there and you got married, and I DJed your wedding. You like, did. forever ago. <laughs> and from there, and then I remember you were the kind of bride that loved the planning process, and then I watched, it was like, you, you tell me, within a year, you had ColourPop events. How long was that?
0: Yeah, within a year. Yeah, I started the company and had my first official wedding, like, just a, a little more than a year after I got married myself.
1: Yes. Uh, and I remember, I can see it in my head, the, you had these ribbons that were all multicolored. That was the backdrop for your ceremony. I will mm-hmm. never forget that because I remember me with it was like my fourth year DJing. I was like, "That's cool." That's <laughs> you don't see it in your dress. <laughs> I remember your dress too. It had like color yep. on it. See, you made an impact. Um, but Color Pop Events has been really successful over the years, and Leah was a successful wedding planner. And correct me if I'm wrong. You were an, uh, a not or wedding pro educator, weren't you?
0: Yes, still am a wedding pro educator.
1: Oh, nice. Yep, and. But you have your law degree from the University of Georgia. Go dogs!
0: Go dogs! And tragic. speaking of tragic, it is tragic. Season. Let's just, see.
1: Well, we're going to derail this whole podcast. I'm just going to talk, <laughs> talk about Kirby Clark. <laughs> we're going to talk about football and why are all the NIL folks leaving? Where's all of our recruits going? Okay, that's a whole other <laughs> podcast for another day. Um, but you know, and we were talking about this before that the high school that Leah graduated, my daughter actually goes to now. So there's a lot of cool connections back. Deep, deep in the pocket there, but uh, Leah has her law degree and has now circled back to being a practicing lawyer in New York City at Odeberg Law Firm. So why don't we start off and you talk to us a little bit, give us a little groundwork of what that law firm does, like who's your target client? Let's, let's just kind of get to know you a little bit first.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm telling everybody I'm having my full circle moment because I first was an attorney for about 10 years, started Color Pop events while still working as an attorney. So there was some overlap there, had Color Pop events for about 10 years, decided to shut that down at the end of 2022. And at the beginning of 2023, launched a law firm with a friend of mine. And our focus is serving small business owners. So general representation for kind of anything that a small business might need. Contracts, client disputes, intellectual property, hiring, leasing, all that good stuff. But because of my experience as a wedding planner for so long, I'm finding that just naturally I am working with a lot of wedding and event professionals as clients. And so it's been really great to be able to help my former colleagues in this new and different way.
1: That's, that's like super cool because, you know, I'm, I'm going to take a stab at this here. We didn't talk about this, but I, I imagine that when you left the the law field, you didn't imagine that you'd be coming back.
0: Never. No, I swore. Swore up and down. I would yeah. never come back. And then the stars aligned in a really weird way. And here right? we
1: are. <laughs> Isn't that funny how that, how things, sometimes you just can't take parts of you out of you. Um, you mentioned something when you were just talking about the law practice You said client disputes. Uh, Did client disputes during the pandemic have any impact on your on your rekindled love of law?
0: A little. I mean, I think the climate, everything changed with COVID, especially being a wedding planner in New York City, because we shut down. We did not do anything for over a year. And it impacted businesses, but it also changed humans in general. And so kind of coming back, I noticed a lot of my vendor friends have noticed that the way that their clients acted had kind of shifted a bit. There was a little bit less kindness, a little bit less compassion, a little less patience. And um, that Snow like that sort of snowballed for me and kind of made things a little bit less enjoyable. And I'm very lucky. I had a solid career to be able to kind of go back to. So I'm lucky in that regard. And that's kind of what, why I got out. But yeah, it's, it's changed a lot. And just having been officially back as a lawyer for this year, the stuff that we've seen with our law firm clients in terms of getting, having disputes with their couples, some of it's getting pretty nasty.
1: I I think that's fascinating. Now we we live in Georgia. It's a pretty open state and we were one of the first states that were open. You know, we didn't really close down so much, but it was more 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 the the venues themselves were closing. Mm-hmm. And I you know, I remember all that. It it encouraged us to change our contract. You know, before pre-COVID, there was it was a little loosey goosey and now it's a lot more ironclad about uh, you know, acts of god and that sort of thing and force majeure, but um I work with a lot of lawyers. You know, a lot of my clients personally are lawyers and I, I get my contract picked through often. Oh yeah. So um, we work with, with the University of Georgia a lot and their law department department picks apart our contract all the yep. time. So we're used to this stuff. So it's always like, it's always there, but I think it's one of those things that it's kind of out of sight, out of mind. It's like, um, I think I would lump it in the same category for a lot of company owners under a certain size with liability insurance, workers comp. I knew you were um, going to say insurance. <laughs> yeah. Like it just, it just seems like one, of, it seems like one of those services that you're like, I know I should use this. I know I should get a real lawyer to like help me do this, but I don't know. Just, yeah, I don't know. It's, um,
0: the mentality that I see is that is like, it's fine until it's not. So it's like, it's probably, so a lot weird. I am definitely on a mission to encourage people to be proactive and make sure they're, dealing with their contracts and having solid legal stuff in place in advance. But for a lot of people, what's going to spur them to do this is something happens. They have that client dispute or there's an accident or they get sued. Like something's going to happen that's going to be like, oh, now I have to deal with this. And maybe I should have dealt with it before.
1: Yes. And as you grow a company, those problems scale. Yes. With your company, you know, the, the the likelihood that someone's going to wreck a company van or steal equipment, or you're going to have a client that outrageously the, the, man, the expectations weren't managed correctly and they're upset yep. is going yep. to, it's going to happen.
0: Yep, it's just a matter of when.
1: It's just a matter of when, not if. Sometimes yep. it just takes that little nudge. Yeah,
0: so hopefully this episode is that nudge for anybody listening.
1: <laughs> you know, I think most people listening, most will probably have a, a basic event contract with a mm-hmm. client. So let's start there because it's the most accessible. What kinds yeah. of things that would you advise people from a general law? Clearly, you know, states are different. Yeah. There's different jurisdictions and there's different things. And, you know, I'm, I'm be the one to say, uh, Leah's not your lawyer. So this, this isn't legal advice. Thank you for that. In that way. But what kind of like general tips should we be looking for? Or what questions should we be asking our lawyers about our client contracts?
0: Yeah, I mean, you've already touched upon one of the big ones. And that's like how your force majeure rescheduling and cancellation provisions are working because they all have to work together. It's kind of like a flow chart, almost like an if-then situation. So those are three that are absolutely critical, just given the the unpredictable nature of how things are going these days. So that's really important. Obviously, payment is important. And also what happens to the money that is paid in certain situations do you get to keep it? Do you have to give it back that's always important. One of the things that i've been noticing in this we've been adding this into dj contracts because of the rise in client disputes, which is a provision that talks about you're not guaranteeing that's like not guaranteeing that certain songs are going to be played it's like we'll have a conversation, I will get your like must playlist, but understand that like, I can't guarantee that every song is going to be played. DJ performances is a subjective service, you are going to be have to use your professional judgment on the day of, like perfect example, let's say the clients give you kind of a sort of like, weird obscure genre that they love and they want to hear at their wedding but it's not there's nobody on the dance floor and dancing was important to them so you're like okay I've got to pivot I've got to figure out what's going to get these people up on the dance floor and so you change you I mean in so many situations you're going to know better than the people getting married like what's going to get people up and moving so sometimes you have to make that executive decision and what I don't want to have happen is post-wedding that couple come back to you and be like, you completely ignored all of our, like what we wanted our song request to be. And that way you could be like, look, I had to make that decision. You wanted people dancing. I got them dancing. And so that's definitely something that's popped up a lot recently.
1: I think I just had like a light bulb moment because Did I just I blow think, your mind. <laughs> I, because it's never, I mean, I think there's something in our contract about request, but it's not, not that detailed. And I think a lot of people listening are in the same seat that I'm in, meaning that you successfully DJed a whole bunch of weddings or a whole bunch of parties by yourself for a long period of time. And you built up a name or you built up a reputation and then you decided to scale and grow a company. A lot of people are in that situation. So if it was me, like, you know, if we're working together and it's your wedding, I, because I'm by myself, I'm going to be like, listen, let's talk, let's manage expectations here. And you kind of like, are doing that. It's just a verbal agreement, you know? But I think when you start to scale and you have five DJs, 10 DJs, 35 DJs, that ability to manage the system, like even if you build it into your planning forums, even if you build in language, I think there's like a, it it becomes so difficult to get a whole group of people to manage expectations in that way because it's a soft skill. So I think what you're saying makes total sense to me and I've never thought about it like that.
0: And another big one for DJs is dealing with kind of like venue and location requirements and restrictions. I mean, obviously addressing the fact that if it's an outdoor wedding, you've got to be covered, your equipment has to be protected, um, you know, not in direct sunlight, that kind of thing too, but understanding venue restrictions because some venues are going to have sound level restrictions. And there is a venue in New York City where somebody walks around with a decibel reader during your party. And we'll go to the DJ and be like, you got to turn it down. There's a lot of strict um, in the Hudson Valley area, a lot of strict, like 10 PM noise curfews. And so I want to make it clear in the contract that you as the DJ, you've got to comply with what the venue is telling you. So if you can't do that one more song at 10.01, you don't want the client coming back and complaining about
1: that. That should be said louder. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, uh, you know, okay, every every venue, right? They're your client. You know, every yes. we talk about every business, every business we think that we're a B2C company. We think that we're all okay our our brides and our grooms are are our our clients. And they are because they're signing on a contract and they're paying you yeah. money. They're your client. But they're not repeat customers. Correct. For the most part. Yeah. Um they're the your venues. The venues are your customer and it's just indirectly. So you got to follow yep. those rules, man. And yep. I know I've seen it more and more of those decibel meters, not personally, but I'm seeing yeah. it online.
0: Yeah. Ugh. And also too, like, just think, I mean, this is, this was one of the helpful things that I learned early on in my career as a wedding planner, just taking what we just said a step further, but every, the venue and all of the other vendors that you're working with, those are your repeat clients. Like those are honestly the people, not to say you're going to give bad service to the paying, like the couple that's getting married. But you've got to like really make sure that all of those other people are really taken care of.
1: Yes, if you just plan on a one more song and just yep. end three minutes earlier, correct? And leave space for it, then all of a sudden, the venue just loves you. I mean, it's... I
0: mean, and how and the planner will too, because how many times am I standing over there in the corner, like get off the turn the music <laughs> off, get <laughs> off the dance floor
1: and you're at I've the end of your get get all of people out? You <laughs> like,
0: you're
1: stop. like, I've been here since 7 a.m., buddy. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Stop. I I, I get it. I totally get it. Um, so yeah, so to recap lots of good stuff. Really, it's about paying attention to the venues, it's paying attention to expectations, but those things need to be in your in your contracts. Yep. Let's slide over to things like internal contracts, things like uh, employment agreements and training agreements and things that you um, you know, that help make sure you're compliant on the HR side of things.
0: Yep, yeah. The HR side of thing is honestly one of the trickiest parts. I mean, especially for people, a lot of people go into business because they were good at whatever it is that they're, whatever service it is that they're performing. It's like, if you love DJing, you know, running the business part might not be your favorite. And so the hiring piece is really complicated because there is a real, there's such a significance between somebody who's an employee versus somebody who's an independent contractor. That analysis is so state specific and so fact specific, but it has very real consequences when you get it wrong. And even you might unintentionally get it wrong, which is, um, Sort of the scary part. Like you might think that you've done the analysis correctly, and then somebody makes a claim somewhere, you get audited by the state, the state disagrees with you, and then you're shelling out some major money.
1: Yes. And in my seat, as someone who works directly with multi op owners, who I'm helping them grow their teams, and I'm having conversations, and we're on webinars together and roundtables and that sort of thing. Yep. I hear and see a lot of people who toe that line yeah a lot you yeah. know so, um, yeah so
0: when i was just gonna say when i was at the dj collective i saw mary niecy who's a dj in chicago speak and she has a lot of associates on her team she's been audited twice for by the state for the employee versus independent contractor stuff um so like if anybody 20. needs a real life kind of horror story she has it twice.
1: (laughs) I did not know that. Yes. I know, Mary, and it's not surprising. And it's also, hey, it's a good point to think about is understanding your city and your town. Like, Mm. I think you're more likely, I think you'd be more likely to get audited in New York City than you would be to get audited in Athens, Georgia. But hey, probably, I think if you're you're doing big business and you're, you know, people want their money, government wants their money. Yeah. (laughs) So, I don't know. (laughs) Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Um, awesome. Okay. Let's, let's talk a little bit about, let's talk about your law practice now and the things that you are seeing from your clients in the wedding industry. What kinds of things are you seeing that, um, well, I would say maybe what are the number one and two problems that they're coming to you asking for your help with?
0: The first one's the client disputes. Um, People are getting caught off guard by folks coming back post-wedding and saying, I wasn't happy with X, Y, and Z. I want money back. Um, And if you don't respond to this or don't get back to me, I'm going to get an attorney involved. And that's, I mean, I've been on, I don't know that I've been on the receiving end of exactly those types of requests when I was a planner, but when you do get a request that somebody's unhappy with something, it makes you feel terrible and it incites a little bit of panic and you just want to make it go away. And so that's what a lot of people are coming to us with is these just disputes and how to handle them and how to really just really navigate them because they're, it's kind of, it's really tricky and it's all very sort of dependent upon the situation too, in terms of how you ultimately have to handle it.
1: Are these, are the folks that are asking these questions, are they current clients of yours that are asking you for your legal advice or are these people that are contacting you for the first time both asking for help because they have both. Haven't... okay.
0: Yeah. So some people are, yeah. So sometimes it's our existing clients and they have something going on. And then a lot of times it's like they had something pop up. They asked a friend, they're like, oh my God, I got this letter. I need to talk to somebody. Who do I talk to? And then my name Gets recommended. I mean, somebody even found me on Instagram, which is so funny because I don't think I ever was found on Instagram as a wedding planner ever. <laughs> even though I had a beautiful account, and now like getting found on Instagram for legal services is very ironic.
1: <laughs> well, hey, that's a perfect segue because you stand out in the legal community. I think now I think you stood out in the wedding planning community. I think anything that's bright and colorful and is not just the same um, for. Filters on Instagram is going to get attention. Um, Practicing law can can feel like when you're not in the industry, when you're not a lawyer, can feel like a white collar. It can feel like a sterile job, and there's a, a mental picture of what you have a lawyer and how they behave. But you're not that way. You, I feel like you've brought a lot of your your heart and your charisma to law from all of your past experiences. Talk to us about like how you're infusing your wedding planning experience to build the brand of a law yeah. office that feels different.
0: Yeah, I mean, when I, the, my first go around as an attorney, what was missing was that creative outlet. And that had a lot, and my not enjoying it had so much to do with like where I was working, working for other people, the people I was working with, the clients who I was working with that I had no control over. And so I loved, I mean, wedding planning and event planning honestly was just a good fit for what I was good at and I didn't have a real passion for weddings, but I had a passion for running a business. I love it. Like I love having these conversations. I love numbers. I love accounting, which you probably won't hear anybody else on this planet say other than accountants. Like I just love the running of a business. And I learned so much from my first career as an attorney in terms of skills and dealing with people and practical things. And then taking those skills as a wedding planner, a lot of similar skills, but also that opportunity to build a brand. And a big piece of my wedding planning company was taking care of people, the hospitality component. Hospitality is one of my, I've determined is one of my core values. And so when I came over to the new law firm, I was like, oh, am I going to, I was actually afraid. I was like, i think I'm going to have to leave hospitality behind, like how this is, I don't I just don't know how we're going to infuse this. And then honestly, even it's been a very recent realization that I am taking care of my clients now, similar to how I took care of my wedding planning clients. And I'm bringing that hospitality mentality into the law, which is weird. But I know like the law is scary. The people who get these client dispute emails, some of them are panicking. Some of them are upset. I've had people cry on the phone to me. Like, I want to take care of you. I want you to feel taken care of when we work together. I want you to like have confidence in me. I want you to trust me. And so, yeah, it was kind of a mind blowing moment for me to realize like, oh my God, I have like, I'm have a hospitality component to a law firm, which
1: yeah, it was just wild. <laughs> you got the level up. I never know when it's coming. It always surprises me just as much as it surprises you. And I think that is a good level up moment because yes. you just spoke about core values, which is a huge deal to me. I love core values. I think, uh, honestly, we just had a situation with a, a new trainee that didn't quite work out. And honestly, it was because we discovered there was not a core value fit there that mm. we for, originally thought we did. But when you know your values and when you know that hospitality and serving other people and making them feel great is who you are, you're going to take that into every space that you operate in. And so like when I was preparing for this, for this podcast and I was, I was checking out your law firm online, I can't tell you, it made me smile from ear to ear to see how colorful and yes. how bright and <laughs> um, inviting your website is because I've worked with some lawyers before and they all tend to be very feel like a federal building. Yeah. And so I feel like you're you're going to attract a great client for yourself because they're going to immediately be drawn to that. So the branding is on point and you know you you have a, a warm charismatic personality so to have someone who's legally competent who's going to help you with the nuts and bolts but also make you feel great about it in the process yeah. is like a win all the way around.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that's the feedback um, we've been getting, and I didn't have that expectation going in, so it's been a really nice kind of like rewarding realization that people really are appreciative of what we're doing.
1: Yes, yes. Uh, so i I can guarantee you that after listening to this podcast, you're gonna have a bunch of people Great. around the United <laughs> States being like, so, "So, I'm gonna need a lawyer." Right, uh where do you serve or what states do you serve um, you personally and then your firm at large?
0: Yeah, I personally handle New York and Georgia. Our firm can handle, in addition to that, Pennsylvania and washington d c We are in the process of figuring out how to expand to some other markets, um hopefully very quickly, like soon into the new year. We're hoping to have this in place, but hopefully Florida. New Jersey, Illinois, and potentially California, Uh, California, anybody who's listening, who's from California, the laws in your state are a whole, whole other animal. (laughs) So if if you are in California, you need to make sure that you have a really knowledgeable attorney who knows both your industry and just California laws all around. Like somebody once casually said to me, like California is changing their stuff around like every two weeks. And I don't think that was an exaggeration. I think they're like, they're changing it
1: constantly. It's it's not. I've I've heard someone told me recently that with contractor laws in California, they cannot provide a core service to your business or else they'll be classified as an employee. And it blew my mind living in Georgia. I'm like, what? You can't hire someone that, that does your job. So if you're uh if you yep. pour concrete and that's your job, you cannot hire someone to pour concrete as a contractor. They could be like a photographer that happens to take photos of you pouring concrete, yep. but like whoa, it's yep. yep. so different. Yeah. Um okay. You also have something on your website that I'm curious about. It's called legally set.
0: That's available nationwide. Yes. So those are our contract templates. So on there you will find we have a DJ client service agreement, an associate DJ agreement. Um, and all sorts of other various contracts that you need for your business. So the idea there is that if we aren't able to serve your state, if you can purchase one of the templates, you get my substantive knowledge of the industry, and then you take it to somebody in your state. Honestly, shouldn't take them more than 30 minutes to an hour to just read it, make sure it's state compliant, um, because there shouldn't really be too much that they're having to
1: change. That's a great idea to serve people in an evergreen way. So that's really yeah. cool um and i can't wait for you to oh, you're gonna go national man you're gonna it's just a matter of time <laughs> uh leah it's been a pleasure i've learned a bunch i've been taking notes i've got a, I i got my purple pen excellent to match purple glasses <laughs> and i've been <laughs> i've been taking notes over here we've got lots of stuff that i'm going to be thinking about tell everyone how they can find you online Yep.
0: Perfect. So um, websites are oduberg.com, legallyset.com. And then over on Instagram, I am at the Leah Weinberg and at oduberglaw.
1: Love it. Thank you so much for spending some time with me. And to everybody out there, please remember we have free resources on our website, blueprintlearn.com slash resources, lots of great stuff that you can start using today. And I'll see everybody else on the next podcast.